everyone, and welcome to Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. I'm your host, Sarah Sin, tackling horror movies, peeling back the layers, and taking a deeper dive into them. Again, on the show, I don't just discuss my love of horror movies. I like to bring in the aspect and perspective of horror and history, how horror movies tend to reflect society's fears. And since I'm a psychology major, I'd like to bring this aspect and perspective in as well and see how the horror movie I'm focusing on reflects psychology and mental health in any way. So very quickly, yes, it's been a stressful week for me. I am, but I am done with school for this semester. So I get five weeks of freedom. So I'm really excited about that. So I'm hoping to really like get a head start on the show. So I'm not doing two episodes a month. I'm really getting better at getting three episodes a month. So that's what I'm going to try to do because I got five weeks and I'm really excited to have five weeks of freedom. So anyways, moving on to the next movie for the theme of not something old, but something new with 2006 Black Christmas, directed by Glenn Morgan, starring Katie Cassidy as Kelly, Michelle Trachtenberg as Melissa, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Heather, Lacey Chabert as Dana, Jan K. Crystal Lowe as Lauren, Andrea Martin as Miss Mack, Kristen Cloak as Lee, Oliver Hudson as Kyle, Robert Mann as Billy, and Dean Frist as Agnes. So for horror and history, uh, this did come out in the early 2000s. So I do think a little bit is um, what I talked about in my essay, which was like the war on terrorism, that a lot of these movies were basically sending the message. Anything we put on the screen is no, nothing compared to what is going on in the real world, because this movie definitely amps up the blood, the gore, the kills um, and the violence. So I think it is kind of a way of sending that message like, oh, you can watch this, but it's. What's going on in the real world is 10 times worse. Kind of like sorority life, you know, the party life, sisterhood, the whole college scene. It definitely shows like the college students versus the townies, especially between the sorority and the boyfriend, Kyle, because he's a townie. And these girls are rich from out of town who live in this town where the Billy Lenz um, story is. And definitely childhood trauma or just trauma in general, how childhood trauma um affects people into adulthood um we see it obviously in billy and agnes but a couple of the girls in the sorority talk about like having not a broken family life but you know don't feel like they actually have a family and how it's affecting them now i would say in their later years psychology and mental health we got guilt incest abuse all around abuse. I mean, unfortunately, there's sexual abuse, physical abuse, mental and emotional abuse in this movie. I would say a little bit of Oedipus Complex and Jocasta Complex. Envy, um, a broken family home. Again, trauma, childhood trauma, infidelity, disloyalty, and dishonesty. So, uh, again, I have a guest on my show. He's been on twice now, right? I think I'm right. Yeah, twice now. Uh, it's Chris Bruner. So, like I always do, introduce yourself, plug whatever you want, and let everyone know why you wanted to jump in on this movie. Yeah. Uh, so as usual, since this is my third time on the podcast, very excited. Um, I try to keep up with uh, my own blog that reviews movies, books, um, pretty much whatever I feel like. Uh, it is brunersbar.blog, um, Bruner with two N's. Um I was really excited that you were doing this movie this month because it is one of my favorites. Um, this is one of those that I prefer the remake over the original. Not saying that the original isn't fantastic because it is a, a must watch every Christmas, but I like this one better for quite a few reasons that I'm sure we'll dive into. Yeah, I actually really think that, I know a lot of people bash this movie, but I think it does exactly what a remake is supposed to. It takes the original story, brings it to the time, because you're not going to make the same exact movie in the 70s, make it early 2000s, you know, so they take the original story, original plot, and then they just expand on it. And I will say I'm one of those people that usually doesn't like too much of an expansion on the killer which again, I will say is why I'm not a huge fan of Rob Zombie's Halloween. I don't like the explanation of why Michael Myers kills. I like the fact that you don't know why this middle class, you know, suburban family's son is a murderer. But this one, I actually really enjoyed the story because at first it feels like they're trying to make you sympathize with the character. And then eventually you're like, oh no, this guy is just, you know, he's a bad man. So 
if you want, I would say let's start with the story because I actually, again, I like that they expanded on the Billy because we don't know who Billy is or even if the killer's name is Billy in the original. Um, all we get are little, and again, I'm, I wish I'd wa- I had time to watch the original this week. I just didn't. But I remember little prompts in the movie when Billy was talking to the girls. He mentioned Agnes. What did you do to the baby? Billy, you know, the name Billy pops up. Agnes pops up. and all that kind of stuff. So it's like they took the calls from the original and built a story around that, which I really like. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I actually just watched the original because uh, I wanted to get a few comparison points. And, you know, the, the thing about the original that was so great is that you really don't know who the killer is. You know, spoilers for anybody who hasn't watched it. Um, you know, you think it's the boyfriend who is distraught over the fact that, you know, she's, not going to have the baby. Um, but then you just see a scene where he's dead and she's in shock. And then it still has the ringing phone and the, the Billy and Agnes comments. So I really loved with this one that they did, they took those little pieces and developed a story out of it because then it changes the ending too. You know, like um, I really enjoyed uh, my bloody Valentine and the remake because they had different endings. Me and too. First, you know, for somebody who's watched a movie a hundred times, if you're going to watch a remake, you know, it's nice to still get that twist, you know? Yes, I agree. And I do like with this one that we, like I said, I do think they did a really good job. Like I said, they amp everything up and I'll try to shorten the Billy story for the audience. Um, Like Billy was born with this disease with his liver. So he constantly has yellow skin jaundice. Mom was very mad that she didn't get the quote baby she ordered Dad loves the child no matter what. You see that in the flashbacks that the father is adores Billy and loves him for who he is. The mom is angry. I mean, the first scene you see with her, she's crushing the ornament that says baby's first Christmas and then dumping it in the baby's bassinet with the baby. Like she's angry with the fact that she got a sickly child. So she doesn't like the child. And then like a couple years pass and then. Billy's dad gets murdered by mom's new boyfriend and he hides in the attic and that's where she keeps him. She like deadbolts it and only lets him out once in a while. When he's 12 years old, mom is having sex with her new boyfriend. He's drunk and passes out and she decides she's going to assault her own child, which nine months later results in the child of Agnes, a product of incest. And I'm going to say, hate using the word out loud, but rape. Like that's the child was 12 years old. He's a child still. He does not have the the capacity to make those decisions. And she forced herself on him. And it's very hard to watch because this is a mother going after her own child. And then the product is Agnes. And then I think I want to say when Billy's 21, he basically busts out of the attic, gets his revenge, attacks Agnes, remo- uh, where he removes her eye and eats it, kills the stepdad and then kills the mom. And then, uses the cookie cutter which i love to get pieces of her skin and cooks them and eats them so that's kind of the gist of the story um so when i say like you sympathize at first you do sympathize with him because the father loves him he hides the present in the in the wall the closet for the son because he deserves a present on christmas um and you know why he kills his mom and stepdad because they were horrible to him and i think it's very much implied you don't see it but to me it's very much implied that you know the de- the stepdad was probably incredibly physically abusive of him. Like we don't see it, but to me it's implied that he did the physical abuse. The mom unfortunately did the sexual, mental, and emotional abuse on the child. And um, but why I say like it's he's not redeeming to me is because he goes after Agnes, this nine-year-old innocent child who is his child. So I don't understand why he even attacks her to begin with. Because she's innocent. She did nothing wrong. And that's where I say his redeeming quality. He doesn't have any redeeming qualities. And why I don't sympathize with him anymore is because he attacks an innocent child. That's his child. So I don't know. That's just kind of me. <laughs> See, with that one, I don't think because he was 12, I don't think he he knows. I don't think he understands that that's his child. So I think in that, it's more of a sibling rivalry. You know, he is the firstborn who has mm-hmm. been locked away, abused and, and whatnot. And she is the new child that then gets to be downstairs and have a childhood and have Christmas. So I think he doesn't even connect the dots that they're family at that point. Um, 
it's just, you know, well, why does she get all the things that I don't? And I, you know, I've got a brother, I've got two kids that, you know, I could easily see one of them, you know, well, why does they get the other one? You know, I mean, my daughter does it anyway, because my son's older. So when he got his phone first, she was very upset that she didn't get a phone. And that's kind of how I looked at that whole sort of arrangement. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking. That's why I was thinking Envy was <clears throat> just envious of Agnes because she did get to have it, you know, the family. The family. And, and, but it didn't seem like Agnes really had a good life anyways. Like that mother was just terrible. She was just a horrible, horrible human being. Like, I just can't stand the mom. She's just, I, so when she dies, I'm like, hooray. <laughs> like she died. That, that's good. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. I'm still battling a cold myself. So if I cough a lot, I apologize, people. So um, so Billy, that's where I started thinking of Oedipus Complex and Jocasta Complex. So very sim- simply, it's Oedipus Complex is son loves mother. Jocasta Complex is um, mother loves son. So I was always wondering, like, was did Billy have any feelings for his mom? Or was it the mom, did mom have feelings for son? Like, that's one thing I started, I was never really, it was never really clear on. Was it just simply mom assaulted him and that's it? So that's where I was trying to think of, like, was there any kind of connection, which is why I thought maybe he would attack Agnes is because she's taking away the attention from the mom that could possibly be on him, which is what Freud talks about with the Oedipus complex with boys in general you know is that they like they they have this it's really weird but like that's the other thing i was thinking of was was there some kind of jealousy in that area that you know well now this child's taking the attention away from mom and i want that attention even though she's a horrible horrible human being because unfortunately a lot of kids experience these things and trauma and abuse but they still love their parent even though they're committing these horrendous things to them they still love them because i i don't know why because you can't help who you love and in a way they're probably thinking i'm supposed to love my parents so even though billy was horribly abused by this mom i think he still loved her because that was his mom but i didn't know if it went beyond love to obsession if that makes any sense yeah i think that's i think that's open to interpretation you know i don't think they they did anything that would elude one way or the other you know, you could definitely look at it from wanting the attention because he's been trapped in an attic mostly all his life. Um, but at the same time, you know, the only attention he really got was when the mom wanted something for herself. You yeah. know, the, the the self-gratification was denied her. So she took it out on her son in, in that scene. I mean, we don't really see anything more as to to elude that she spent any other time with him beyond that. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could spin out. I think that's kind of the great part of, uh, psychoanalyst or psychology to look at, you know, well, what could they be thinking? Yeah. I just, I don't know. My brain just kind of went there with the story, but I do like that, you know, again, I wish I had watched the original this week, but I, as I'm watching the story unfold on this movie, it reminded me of some of the prompts that the killer was saying in the original. So I like that they did pull from the original so um actually we should probably just compare i did pick up on some things from the original to this one like uh the woman who plays the house mother in this miss mac is in the original movie and i love that that they brought her in and i forgot what character she played in the original but she is one of the girls and i do think she is and she ends up getting murdered but she's one of the original sorority sisters in the original and i like that they brought that face you know to this movie so I know that's one homage they did was bringing a character to be the house mother for this movie. And a couple of the kills were like the first kill in this movie is, a, is pretty much the same as the original. It's the girl going to the closet, getting the bag over her head, getting suffocated and then being put on a rocking chair near the window um, in the attic. So that's another one that I picked up on since it's been a while since I've seen the original and the unicorn kill, because that was a pretty brutal kill in the original movie was, um, I forgot the care. I forgot who played her. Did she Margo play Kidder. Thank you. Margot Kidder. And she gets brutally murdered with that crystal unicorn she has by her bed. And 
it's used in this one. So those were the only ones I really picked up on. Since you watched the original, you probably picked up on way more than me because I didn't get a chance to watch it this week. But I did like the little homages I picked up on. Yeah, those were really the only ones that tied into the original um, because a lot of the kills in the original were kind of off screen. You know, like we do see the house mother get dragged into the attic with a hook um, in the original, um, which is, and then you don't really see what happens to her. You just see her sort of corpse propped up in a chair later in the movie. Um, One of the things that I really got a kick out of, and uh, I guess I'm a little embarrassed to say that I know this, um, but when Michelle Trachtenberg got killed with a hockey skate, I I laughed out loud because uh, I looked up on IMDb the year before she had just made the movie Ice Princess, where she's the figure skater. And it, it, it was not lost on me that they probably did that for a reason. Yeah. Well, I like the cast in this movie. It's a good cast. Like, I remember Michelle Trachtenberg being in, like, I want to say Nickelodeon. She mm-hmm. was on Nickelodeon. Um, Lacey Chabert did, what, Seventh Heaven and, like, Mean Girls, which I don't know if Mean Girls came out. I think Mean Girls came out before. You got, like, Katie Cassidy, who did a lot of CW shows. Like, they have a lot of, you know, Mary Elizabeth Winstead went on to do a lot of, th- you know, they got a lot of people in there that are very recognizable and then die horribly. You know, yeah. like, it's kind of fun to watch, like, how these people just get brutally worn that's what i mean like they amped up the kills in this movie and brutally murdered these women like you see like michelle trachtenberg's like half part of her head get cut off lacey chabert gets the like a uh, gardening tool in her head miss mac just dies because a an ice sickle from the house falls on her so you know i like that they yeah, they amped up everything. I like the cast. Like I said, I I agree with you. I really like this movie. I probably like I'm probably more prone to liking the original better only because I watched it with my mom. So it's one of those memories I have with her was watching this movie with her. So, but I do like the remake a lot. So, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I really like the cast as well. I think most of them at one time were uh, a childhood crush because uh, I remember watching Mary Elizabeth Winstead in Sky High where she's the villain. Um, and Michelle Trachtenberg, I think, was Harriet the Spy from Nickelodeon at one point. I think so. Um, and uh, I think this was the first time I had seen Katie Cassie. I can't remember if Black Christmas or the remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street came out first. Black um, Christmas did. Black Christmas. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, Lacey Chabert, uh, I had had a crush on since um, Party of Five when she was with uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt and uh, Scott Wolf, I think was his name, you know, from oh, that that's show. A, sorry, it wasn't Seventh Heaven. I was thinking of Party of Five. I never watched either of them, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't my type of shows. Now, I, I had to look it up because I had wondered, uh, you know, because you were talking about um, the house mother being the original, being Phil. Um, and I really liked her. She was kind of the goofy, you know, comic relief in the original. Um, but when they changed Claire's, uh, I guess, family member from the dad in the original to the sister, I was curious if the sister was in the original. She was not. Um, but I thought that also could have been kind of a cool, you know, aspect to pull somebody in from the original since they made that story change. Um, you know, it also makes me kind of wonder if during that time period, they did that to show more of, uh, I guess, female empowerment, kind of, you know, to put somebody else in there. Because, uh, of course, the, the boyfriend in this is, you know, not really the brightest fellow. Um, no. So. I do like that they brought in the sister, actually. I liked her as a character. Um, I mean, I think she was kind of dumb at some points. Like, when Miss Mac and uh, the character of Heather are like, we need to go to the police station. We need to get out of this house because we're finding people murdered. And Lee's like, well, no, we're going to stay here because when my sister decides to show up, you know, I don't want her coming to an empty house. And I'm like, you know, it'd probably be smarter if you guys all just get in the car and go, you know, like brave those roads. I've had to do it myself. It, it sucks. Drive 20 miles an hour. You're fine. You know, get to the police station. But then, of course, we wouldn't have a movie. It would, it would have ended there and we would it'd be what like 40 minutes long so you know because the story but 
she, I do like, I just like her in general. And that's why I said, like, I don't know what happened between her and Claire because it just, it's very heavily implied because they're like, what, 10 years apart or something like that? They have a huge age gap between them. And so she, Claire never really felt like she had a sister and that she was the one who was trying to um, get closer to her, which is probably why she decided to join that sorority because her sister had been in the sorority before because she mentions that. So I did like Lee. I was actually kind of upset that she dies. It was kind of upsetting because I kind of wanted her to live. Mm-hmm. But she ends up getting her neck snapped by, I don't know if it's Agnes or Billy. I want to say Billy did it, but sorry. Yeah, now that, now I forget because I know one of them gets killed and then I think Katie Cassidy takes out Agnes and then Billy's chasing Katie Cassidy. Yeah, and um, he ends up impaled on the Christmas tree. Yeah, which I thought was very fitting uh, just as the ending of any Christmas movie, honestly. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. But I think you're you have a a point there about female empowerment, about bringing in the sister because she is a very strong character. Um, you know that as soon as you meet her, that she's not gonna take any bullshit. She even says about the sorority house, she's like, "I just hated it here," you know. Like, I, she's like, "I didn't like it, I didn't enjoy it, so I just kind of left." You know, she seems to march to the beat of her own drum. And it is a primarily female cast, but I think that's actually a lot of what the original was. It's a primarily female cast. And these girls are, you know, being them, you know, being girls, but they're not dumb girls. Like I really like in the original that they have the abortion aspect because that was a big thing in the seventies, you know, birth control was coming out. Uh, Roe versus Wade came out, you know, women had a choice. Now women were actually allowed to have you know, a say on their own bodies, like whether or not they wanted kids and when they were going to have kids, they had that choice. So I like that they brought that into that story because she was saying, no, like I'm here in college. I'm trying to build my life and I don't want to bring a child into the world right now. I'm going to say, you know, say no to you. Like you can have, you want this child, but I don't. And I have a say now. So she was a strong female character. Margot Kidder, Kidder, is a strong female character. Excuse me. She's a no bullshit person. You know, she's strong. She has no problem getting on that phone and telling the killer where to stick it, you know, put your tongue in a light socket, you know? So I think they brought, they just brought that concept into the two thousands, which I like because it is nice to see strong female characters in. And honestly, I think that's the one thing horror's always done. I know a lot of people bash horror, saying that they're, you know, anti-females, but I think horror movies have always put women front and center to be strong characters, but still be vulnerable. Because if you are in that situation in real life, you're still vulnerable, but your fight or flight response is going to respond. And most of these women in these movies, they fight. Even if they're killed, a lot of them put in a good fight before they are killed. Lacey Chabert puts in a fight, you know, um, Michelle Trachtenberg puts in a fight before she dies in this movie. Like, at least they're fighting for their lives and not just going, oh, my God, I want to die. You know, so I do like that they brought that because it was definitely a big aspect of the the original. Even though, you know, we have the father coming looking for his daughter because he's worried. You have the boyfriend who's just he's annoying in this in the original and in this movie, too. Like, they just brought this wimpy you know, boy, I'm sorry, but he's he's so annoying. I think he's more annoying in the original than he is in this one. At least this one, he's like, I'm from here. Like, I'm a townie. He's like, and I'm sick of you, like, stupid rich bitches or something like that. But I think that theme of female empowerment. And like I said, females in general are always strong but vulnerable characters in horror movies. And I see it in the original and I see it in this one. So if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think the difference between the the original and this one, though, is that in the original, we had two boyfriends. You know, we had the crazy one who was trying to control Jess and say, no, you don't get to make this decision. Right. Um, but then we also had Claire's boyfriend um, who was sort of taking the, the situation over. You know, he was the one forcing the police to take notice and, you know, not be so casual about it, especially when the one deputy says, 
oh, she's probably shacking up with her boyfriend in some cabin somewhere. And he's like, I am the boyfriend. She's right. not with me. <laughs> you know, so I think that's kind of that, that's the reason I sort of took that that outlook on the, the remake um, by replacing the father with a stronger character within the sister. And then we've only got one boyfriend uh, instead of the two, um, you know, just to make the female characters more front and center. And, you know, Katie Cassidy put up a really big fight uh, at the end, of course, uh, in the whole hospital scenes, you know, but Jess other never really was shown to have put up a fight. You know, it ends of course with her holding, I think it's a fireplace poker, but then, you know, it goes to the police and the police show up and there she is in shock and then the boyfriend's dead. So we don't know if she actually did fight him or if the Billy character was the one that did it. You know, that that's the animosity, I guess, with the first one. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But like I said, I still like the abortion aspect. And I actually think it's good that they didn't bring that into this one. You know, they took that one out and instead brought the infidelity between Casey, Katie Cassidy and Kyle, the boyfriend. No, Katie Cassidy's char- character, Kelly. Kelly and Kyle, you know, that she finds out that he had slept with one of her sisters and he's claiming, even, you know, I don't know if it's true or not, but he's claiming it happened before they got together. And that's when he continues the story about Billy. But, you know, they, I don't know where I was going with that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, actually, lost my trail of thought. That's a good <laughs> point. Like that they, to, they changed it a little bit. Instead of an abortion, they changed it to infidelity. I think is the point I was trying to make. <laughs> well, and the thing that, that was mentioned in this one is that it was, you know, posted online, which, yeah. you know, at that time we were seeing a lot more of the sort of revenge porn aspect, or you know, people stealing videos and then putting it out there online. So I think when you're talking about adjusting or adapting a movie to the time period that was probably a more controversial issue at the time than you know abortion so no that makes sense yeah no i forgot about that he put it online that makes more sense yeah because you know by the 2000s yeah abortion is part of life you know people are allowed to but in the 70s that was a big controversy that women were able to have that choice and have a say and, you know, and now, unfortunately, it's been taken away from a lot of women again, which is really sad to see because, you know, I think, sorry, I, mean, I am one of those people that's, I am pro-choice. It's someone's body and it's not my place to pass any judgment on someone. So I do like that about the original. It was one thing I've always liked. I honestly, I've always liked about the original was that they brought that topic in. But yeah, for this new one, yeah, that's it is the, because internet was getting bigger then and more you know facebook and i think myspace was big then and the internet was really getting bigger so like people could post things online and that yeah but was it the boyfriend posting it online or was it the girl was it it was the guy's friend so one of his buddies stole the video from him and threw it out there because that's the only race that's the only reason you know that it's online because he said, I didn't post this, you know, it was taken from me. Um, and then he starts saying that it was, you know, before us and everything else. So Oh, that's right. Yeah. But I do I don't know, like their relationship is weird. Cause, you know, I don't know. It's just weird from the beginning. Like the conversation they have in the car is odd to me. And then that's the other thing I noticed in this movie. People are constantly saying like you're my family now, they're my family now, she's my family now, he's my family now. It's that whole concept of family, because she mentions it with the sorority, that they're sisters, they're a family, you know, and then you got Billy's family, which is, you know, a broken family. It's a broken home. He comes from a very traumatic home life. And then, but you don't really know anything about Kyle's home life. You just know that he grew up in that town, but you hear from Kelly that she she's like, I don't really have a family. She's like, this is really the only family I know. And that's when he's like, well, you're my family now. So that's a big aspect of this thing, this movie now that I'm thinking about it is like the idea of family. But what does family mean? Like, again, like people always say like the American dream or, you know, it needs to be a nuclear family in order to be a family, which, again, nuclear family is, you know, a mom and dad with their kids, whether they're actually birthed, they birth the children or um, they're adopted, but it's 
that's like supposed to be like the ideal American family, which is fine. Some people are like that. That's great. I unfortunately am a divorced single mom. That's my family structure is single parenthood. And that's fine too. But it's this whole idea of family. So what makes a family? I think is another message this movie is talking about because Billy's family was not a good family. That was not, that was a toxic environment. That's trauma right there. Kelly's saying she never really had a family. So what happened there? Kyle's trying to make a family with her and she's talking about her and her sisters being a family. And that's something that Miss Mac kind of is like putting out there is like, we're all together in this. And then you have Lee trying to connect with her younger sister, Claire. So there's a big aspect of like family, but then you think, what is family? What makes a family? And to me, what makes a family is love in the end. But definitely something I was hearing a lot in this movie is like they're my family now she's my family now he's my family now like almost like an obsession of making an ideal family if that makes any sense yeah you know <clears throat> I mean I it's not something I paid attention or picked up on honestly um but thinking about it you know of course within the 2000s I mean when did it start to seem that family can be who you choose to associate with. You know, I have an understanding of that because I've got uh, divorced parents uh, and I'm honestly closer to my stepmom's family than I am, you know, my mother's side of the family. Um, you know, they're not blood, but they're still my aunts, my uncles, my cousins. And then, of course, you just, I've got friends that I consider family. We've got a friend that, uh, we've known for a long, long time that she's, you know, Aunt Kathy to my kids. You know, she's not blood. We're not related, but the kids call her Aunt Kathy. So, you know, I, I could definitely see that this movie is trying to show, maybe trying to show that, you know, a traditional family may not always be the best style of family with Billy's situation and that you do have the the opportunity to uh, choose who your family is by showing the sisters. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Definitely. Because like I said, it is, you know, straying from traditional ways. But nowadays, it's like there's all different kinds of families. And, you know, they need to be more accepted. You know, it, it isn't, you know, the ideal family is not always the best family. And a lot of movies have shown that. I talked about it with the original Hills Have Eyes. The Hill people are actually a nuclear family. It is a mom and a and a husband, I guess, so, you know, a mom and a dad who birthed these kids. They're, they are a nuclear family, but are they the ideal family? No, like they're cannibals who are eating people and killing people. So, you know, the nuclear family isn't always the best family, even though everyone tries to make it like the traditional family, the American dream and you're right. I think this movie is showing that you can have different kinds of families and they can be stable and they sometimes are a better environment than, you know, your actual family, unfortunately, because like I said, they can be a nuclear family. Um, and who knows what's going on behind closed doors? Like, did the town even know what was going on in Billy's house and just turn a blind eye? You know, or did they not know at all? Because, you know, as soon as they walk out that door they're presenting themselves as some kind of happy family. Cause did they even know Billy was in the attic? She could have just, the mom could have just said, Oh, I lost Billy. I, he died, you know, SIDS child during childbirth or during, you know, again, SIDS, you know, he died in this crib. We don't know what happened. They have no idea he's in the attic. They just see her and this guy and be like, Oh, now they have this baby Agnes. Oh my gosh. This is so great. Like, look at them. They're so happy. Not even knowing that, you know, in the attic is a child that's been sexually assaulted and is living in there because the mom refuses to let him out. So like I said, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. So a lot of times those ideal families, you know, they hold a lot of secrets. Well, I mean, we, we talked about that with uh, the people under the stairs. You yes. know, you had this couple uh, that was very affluent uh, in the town. You know, they may not have been prevalent in the town. They basically stayed to themselves, but everybody knew that they were the wealthy family of the town. And yet they were, you know, keeping 
children until they found their perfect nuclear family. You know, right. if the child misbehaved or, or spoke back, they would cut out their tongue and stuff them in the basement. So again, that's that perception of, you know, what is going on inside someone's home. You never really know. Well, they say that honestly about some of the serial killers out there that they were like, they always was it Ed Gein. They always thought was weird, but they never in a million years thought when you walked in his house, you were going to find lampshades made of human skin or, you know, I think he was the one with his dead mother in the house, something like that. Like, cause I know yeah. Psycho, there's like three movies based on him and it's like Psycho, Silence of the Lambs and Texas Chainsaw mm-hmm. are based on Ed Gein, but it's like. No one knew. Like people were always like, "Oh, he was always nice and quiet," you know. Oh my God, he killed people. You know, BTK is one I always use when I talk about na- nature versus nurture because this man grew up in a normal, stable home environment. Was I can't remember if he was a minister or something, but he was with the church and he was highly regarded in the church. Married with kids, and oh my God, he was doing these horrible things and killing people, and you had no idea. So. I've always say like it happens. You never know what's going on behind closed doors because people always wear a mask when they walk out of their house. They don't want you to know their dirty little secrets and those skeletons in their closets. And yeah, I think this movie is definitely touching on that now, the more I think about it. Cause I'm like, I can just imagine Billy's mom just walking out with a stepdad, just telling every single person she meets with her new baby Agnes, like, Oh, I wish she could have met her brother, Billy, he was wonderful, but unfortunately he died of SIDS and, you know, we don't know what happened. And back home, it's a poor child that grew up, basically had to raise himself in an attic. You know, it's very sad. And then, like I said, I'd like to know more about like Kelly's home life. Like why wasn't her home life great? You know, what was going on? Because it's very much, again, implied in this movie that this is the rich sorority. Like in order for you to get into the sorority, you have to have money. Because he calls them like stupid rich bitches. He's like very much like, you know, Heather has the NASCAR dad, you know, the famous dad, uh, Eve, her mother's a legacy there. So they had to let her in, you know, it's very, I mean, you see how these girls are dressed, like they, they got money, like, so it's, you know, so what's going on behind those closed doors that, you know, something's happening. That's the other thing I was thinking of. Why did Lauren bring up her rich daddy NASCAR person? Because I'm always like, she's like, oh, yeah, the only person you say anything to. I wrote it down, too, and I don't even know where my notes are. She says something about the NASCAR daddy. daddy. So I'm like, was there something going on between Heather and her daddy that's being implied here? Or am I just reading too much into it? I actually don't, even I don't know. know. I mean, it could be that or it just could be that she's flaunting the fact that she's got a celebrity father. You know, just to sort of, I guess, make her seem better than the other girls. I mean, there's always competition between social groups uh, about who's better, who's more wealthy, yada, yada, yada. So That's true. I just didn't know if they were trying to put some implied stuff there, too, because unfortunately that can happen, too. Mm -hmm. True. Very true. Like I said, this movie's a lot. This movie's got a lot going on. There's a lot. Like, I was just watching it going, wow, this movie's like... And then it's really weird, like, Agnes... Like, what made Agnes go crazy? Like, Billy... I feel like Billy probably was just... Maybe he's always been that way. Or, you know, maybe the assault is what kind of made him snap. But Agnes is just like, they're like, Agnes was attacked. She ended up in an orphanage. But who would want a child who was a product of incest? You know, like... Like, no one wanted that kid, which was really sad to hear, too, because it's like that child probably needs a stable family more so because of what they went through, that trauma. But why did she go crazy? It's always something. The only thing about that movie I always wondered was what made her snap? And then how did she find out that Billy was her dad? Because she has that scene with Kelly where Kelly's like, your brother's not here. And she's like, no, but my daddy is. So how did she find out? Yeah, I, that's a good question because I'm so I'm out now starting to wonder, you know, how did the town find out about this? You know, I mean, if they kept Billy in the attic and, you know, kept him away from everything, you know, who finds this stuff out once it happens? And, you know, even to go a little bit further, whether they knew the incest or not, you also have to think, you know, Agnes was missing an eye. So what family would want to 
adopt a damaged child, you know, as Billy's mom didn't want him because he had the liver disease. You know, that's the unfortunate thing is that, you know, some people cannot look past disability and, and it's terrible. But, you know, that may have kept Agnes in an orphanage or in and out of the foster system. Yeah, which is sad, too, because it is. You know, you're right. That's another thing this movie's talking about is that idea of disability. You know, special needs children are exactly what it says. They're special and they have needs and they just they they function differently than other people. But it doesn't mean you can't. There is less to love. Right. Sometimes they need a lot more. I mean, I've, I've dealt with special needs kids in my room like. You just have to adapt to their needs. And, you know, like you said, she just, you know, she doesn't want her son because what? He just has yellow skin. Who cares? Like he has yellow skin. Like he's jaundice. Like that's not a bad thing. And then, yeah, with Agnes, yeah, she's a product of not not something good. <laughs> I see your daughter right. standing there, so I don't want to say it. I know. <laughs> but, you know, and she's missing an eye. So, yeah, she's, quote, damaged goods. Also, are you guys talking about a horror movie or something? Yes, sweetheart. Okay, good. <laughs> Kids, well, mommy's, we're gonna mommy's. pop in. Okay, sweetie. Can't grab my phone. All right, well, I'll get it in a little bit. Okay. <laughs> yep, it happens. No, that's fine. No, but I think I think you're right. It's the idea of, and it's the the idea of like you know looks like people can't look past the physical appearance, you know, right. but if anyone needed some love and stability in their life was, was Agnes. She needed that. But yeah, someone probably, people probably just shoved her off. as like, Oh, I don't want to deal with that. I don't, I'm not going to take the time to help that child, but still it makes me wonder like what made her snap. And then how did she find out Billy was her dad? And then how did Billy find out Agnes was his? If he, like you said, if he was 12 and didn't really figure it out, you know, because a 12-year-old probably wouldn't make that connection. Especially because I don't, did he even go to school? Because he probably never took sex ed, so he probably doesn't even know how a baby is made. Right. So how did they figure that out? I think that's probably one thing about the movie I'm kind of, like, confused about. is like, eh, that's a plot hole to me. It's like, you don't know, so how do they know? So why is Agnes, you know, going with her father to kill? Because Billy isn't the one killing the girls at first. Agnes is the one at the house. Right. Daddy doesn't, Billy doesn't show up till later. So Agnes is the one who's sneaking in the house and killing the girls at first. And then Billy shows up and starts to murder people. Because you can tell who it is by the skin. Right. Billy has jaundice in his eyes. So when you're seeing the eyeballs staring at these girls and they're pure white, that's Agnes. Billy's has a yellow hue to it. So it's Agnes at first. So why is Agnes going to this house and trying to kill these girls? Because she's had no contact with Billy. So it's not like Billy told her, like, go to this house and kill these girls. So now I'm wondering, how did that even start? Why is Agnes going to the house to kill these girls? Billy makes sense. That's his house. He's mad. You know, that well, could it be was like- Agnes's house, too, you know, so she may have returned home and maybe, you know, because they had the tradition that they talked about at the beginning of the movie of giving a present to Billy, you know, maybe she would be collecting that present like she's lived there and that has sort of appeased her. And I think this year, you know, somebody didn't do the present to Billy or I can't remember now. Heather was um, supposed to do it because she even says, and now I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, oh, I found it. Okay. Yeah. Because I like the scene where Miss Mac was like, you know, you're Heather's like, I'm the one who had it. She's like, I don't like the idea of like giving a present to a serial killer. And then Melissa pipes in. So I'm wondering if she was a psychology major and she's like, no, you see serial killers murder repeatedly for sexual thrill. Billy Lenz was a spree killer. Dude just fucking lost it. Like, I like that scene because she's like, because Heather's trying to be like, I don't want to give a present to Billy. I don't care if it's, you know, Delta Alpha Delta Kappa tradition. She's like, I think it's gross, you know, but it's something they've been doing, which I still think was like, why would they do that? Why would they leave a present for Billy? Did they think that one day he was going to return and 
this would make him happy? Or is it just like just something that someone started one year and was like, oh, yeah, I just left a present for Billy. And they're like, oh, let's just do this every year. This is a fun tradition. I mean, it's a tradition I'd be down with personally. <laughs> I'd be like, sure. I'm glad I drew his name. I'm happy now. But it's Heather, the NASCAR girl, who's supposed to get him a present. And she said she didn't. Yeah, that could be that, you know, there wasn't a present that year. So Agnes snapped because she didn't get her Christmas present. Um, you know, I mean, anything with that probably has a fragile mental state from the the attack and then being through the the orphanage and everything for so many years. It's possible. Um, but I want to throw this out because, and, and it was probably mostly just because I had watched uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 right after, I, or right before I had watched this one. Do you think the directors put a little Easter egg in because when Billy breaks out of the asylum, he exits in a Santa suit. So we have Billy, the Santa killer. So Oh, I didn't even think of that. I bet that is. That would that would make sense. Cause I do think that I actually like that that's how he gets out. Is that he licks the can- candy cane until it's, you know pointy object kills the guard and then kills the guy who's coming through is in a Santa suit, which is, I'm like, why is he even there? Oh, that's right. He's looking for the children's ward. That's right. And he gets lost. That's why. And then puts on the suit to escape. I actually really like that, but I actually didn't even think about that because I forgot that it's Billy, the name of the first killer or the one from Silent Night, Dead Night. One is Billy. Wait, Mm -hmm. or is that the brother? Yeah, it's Billy. Yeah, Billy. Okay. Sorry, yeah, I, met him. I met him at Monster Mania one year. I met the guy who played um, Billy in the first movie uh, of Silent Night, Deadly Night. He was really funny. He was great. Um, he told me I was naughty. I was like, <laughs> I, I'm like, you're not wrong there. <laughs> but I bet that was a little Easter egg. Now I'm kind of want to go back in and see if there's more Easter eggs or something, because I do like that about horror. Like I said, a lot of times they don't just give homage to the original. They're adding a little bit because there are a lot of horror movies that came out after whatever original they're remaking you know to throw some stuff in there now i gotta go look because i was like i bet that was intentional that he gets out in a santa suit i would definitely say yes i feel yeah, like they, I just, they, they were doing and I, like i said i probably wouldn't have picked up on it had i not just watched the, the silent night daily night too um but that was one of those things i was like oh billy the santa killer you know I just like that they didn't have him be a Santa killer. Like right. that's one thing I, I did enjoy about this movie was that they just kept it. He's in his, you know, psych ward clothes, which are the same color and same design as Agnes. I wonder if she Yeah, it was almost like ward. Christmas PJs. Yeah. Like, yeah. They were red and I don't know, satiny or something. But yeah, he ends up going in that. But he was smart enough to put the Santa suit on to get out. But I'm like now, and then he, I think he throws out, he throws out the body in the trash as soon as he leaves, but I can't remember if he throws the Santa suit in with it. So I'm wondering, I don't remember. I don't remember. So I'm like, did he wear the Santa suit until he got to the house? So no one would know who he was or did he, you know, just somehow people didn't see him because everyone, because that's now, what do they say? Like where the girls live is like a sorority row with Mm -hmm. only like one other house and it's a fraternity. And they're all gone skiing is what uh, Michelle Trachtenberg's character, Melissa, says. She's like, oh, no, there's no one there. Because Lee's the one who says, why is the only house on this street have lights and we don't? And she's like, we should go over there. And she's and Melissa's like, no, they're gone skiing. Like, it's Christmas. They're all gone. Mm-hmm. No one's going to be there. So, yeah, now I'm trying to figure out, like, I don't know. I just really like this movie. I love it. I, I And mo- honestly, I'm a person who likes most remakes. Um, cause I don't, you're, you can't cut, you know, you can't copy, cut and paste the same movie. It doesn't work. And again, I'm going to give the example of the remake of Psycho. Great idea. Did not work. Part of yeah. it too was the casting. I'm sorry. Anne Hesh, bad casting. Vince Vaughn, bad casting. Like they're great actors. Awesome actors. They just weren't right for that part. So that was the first thing. And then they literally did a shot by shot. Again, great concept. It just did not work. You can't, you know, like I said, cut, copy, paste as the same movie. You have to change something. So, like, that's why I like 
the remake of Friday the 13th. They basically combined like the first three movies mm-hmm. into one because making it Pamela Voorhees was not going to work for that movie. Um, I even liked, I actually liked the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. I liked that they played homage to a lot of the kills, but they changed the story a little bit. The only thing for me that was distracting was the CGI makeup. That really, I can't. Yeah. When you can tell it's CGI, it just, it, it literally bought, like, I'm, I get frustrated because I'm like, I can't see past that. Like, if I can, if I'm noticing it, I'm not going to like it. But, and then again, like you said, Bl- My Bloody Valentine, I love that remake. I think it's, I covered that one because it was for my Tom Atkins month because that's another movie that if you're watching it, you're already going to know who the killer is. To me, that's no fun. You know, if you already know what's going to happen. Unless it's like an icon, like I said, Jason. Like they, I like that they made him human again. But this movie does the same thing. It just takes the original and it just expands on it and expands on the Billy lore and actually gives the killer a name. And again, they pick out from the calls from the original to build this story. And I like that the, you know that there's a killer and who it is. Again, if you made the exact same movie in 2006, it wasn't going to work. You know, the abortion aspect wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to be a controversy like, ooh, like it was in the 70s. Like that was a big thing that, oh, my God, they just put this in this movie was this girl's a college girl and she's going to have an abortion. You know, how dare she? You know, this movie was like, that's not going to work. And if you kept the killer a secret or made it or even just made it the boyfriend this time around, wouldn't have worked either. So like. A lot of people put this movie down, but I really enjoy it. I'm like you. Like, I definitely like the original better just because it was a movie I saw with my my late mother. Um, but it's a good remake. I think people just, you know, I think a, it's it's hard. With I always say this about horror movies. You know, if you cut and paste the same movie, someone's going to complain and be like, well, it's just the same movie. You just rehash the same movie. This movie sucks. But if you change stuff... People are going to bitch and moan and say, oh, you changed too much. And now I don't like this movie. So you're not going to make everyone happy. Right. Which is why I say just look, watch the movie and pick out the things you enjoy. And, you know, you don't have to criticize a movie and break in, you know, tear it apart. But you're not going to make everyone happy. The people who want the cut and paste, you're not going to make them happy when you change things. And the people who want something a little different, you know, it's not you're never going to make everyone happy, unfortunately. Which is why I try to find the good in every horror movie because I do like the cut and paste. I love all the Friday the 13th movies. They're the same movie, they, you know, but they're fun. Nightmare on Elm Street, they're the same movies, but they're fun to watch. The Halloween, they're the, you know, I like that just as much as I like all the remakes that came out in the early 2000s that were changing things, but using the original plot. Except for Prom Night. I was, um, I don't. I did like the remake of Prom Night, but I'm like, it's not the same movie at all. <laughs> like, I actually like, haven't seen the original Prom Night. I've only seen the remake, so I'm going to have to go and do a comparison. Oh, yeah. No, there is absolutely. <clears throat> they literally just took the name and that was it. And they just set uh, it on Prom Night. But, I mean, I don't think they should have considered it a remake. They probably just should have just let it be its own movie. But people... I don't know if they were promoting it as a remake. I can't remember now, but that was the only disappointing thing about it was like it had nothing to do with the original, but the name, but the story in the remake is creepy as hell with that teacher obsessed with that student. Like that was scary to me to watch was that obsession and what it can do to people because people go nuts. But oh yeah, I guess the point I was trying to make was this is a good remake. I like the movie. Yeah, like I said, I like this better than the original. I do love the original, but this one is my favorite. Um, And sometimes the cut and paste works. Personally, and again, I know it's kind of uh, cause for contention. I like the remake Texas Chainsaw Massacre better than the original. And that one is almost a scene for scene remake with a few extras thrown in. So you get more about, you know, the family um, that usually you don't get until more towards the end of the first movie. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love horror and I'm one of those that, yeah, sure. That movie could be absolutely terrible, but you know what? I, I enjoyed my time while I was watching it, you know? Yeah. That's kind of what I try to promote on the show. Just watch it. I still love Troll 2. It's a fun movie. And if you haven't seen that movie or seen the documentary, the documentary makes that movie so much better because you, it was just people 
who really wanted to make a good movie and the director still believes it's a good movie. And to me, it's like, it's a fun movie. It's fun. It's entertaining. It does its job. You know, is there bad acting in it? Yeah. But to me, that's what gives the movie its charm is how terrible the acting is, but it's a charming movie. But, you know, I actually liked the, the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. I, I liked it. And I actually thought it worked. They kept it. They kept that in the seventies. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and sometimes that does work. Sometimes with movies, it does work to keep the time, you know, and just remake it. And then sometimes, cause the remake, I think the remake of the Hills have eyes was supposed to be set in the same time too, because no one has a cell phone in that movie and everyone had a cell phone in like the early two thousands. No, yeah. see a single cell phone in that movie as they're going across country. I think that one was supposed to be set in the same time, around the same time period. I think. I'm trying to say, I haven't seen that since it came out, and I saw that one first. I actually hadn't seen the original "The Hills Have Eyes" until the last drive-in's uh, Thanksgiving special. That was the first time I saw the original a couple years back. I did. I was the same. I saw the remake of the of the Hills Have Eyes before I saw the original, which made me want to see the original because mm-hmm. I wanted to see the difference. I'm pretty sure my Bloody Valentine was the same. I saw a lot. I mean, I I graduated in 2001, so I watched a lot of remakes. I saw a lot of 80s horror movies, and I saw a lot of 70s, but I also saw a lot of 60s and 50s because of my mom. That was her time period. So she wanted me to watch, you know, everything from like the 50s, the 70s. The 80s was more of like with my brothers and sisters and just here and there, like, you know, going to a sleepover in 92 or 93, whenever Candyman came out and watching Candyman and going to my friend's house and watching Return of the Living Dead and going to my friend's house and watching Jason Goes to Hell. Like, so some of those movies I saw when they came out, but I primarily was in the remake phase because that's when I graduated and that's when I was in my 20s. Those were the movies coming out in the theaters that I could somehow convince a friend or two to go with me to see once in a while you know right. most of the time I just bought the movie and just played it and watched it at my house but or my apartment at the time but I was primarily so a lot of them that if I liked the movie I would go back and watch the original Texas Chainsaw I saw with my mom so that one was one I saw Friday the 13th I had seen but and I think Nightmare on Elm Street I had seen um probably at a friend's house but like some of the ones Hills Have Eyes My Bloody Valentine you know, I didn't see those movies until I saw the remake. And then I went back and said, oh, now I got to watch the original because I just want to see the original now. I want to see how good they were. And I think Prom Night, I think Prom Night might have been another one. No, Prom Night, I remember seeing because I saw that one on TV. Never mind. Sorry. I'm going on a rant. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, I, I had the same same sort of background. I mean, you know, the local CW channel late at night used to play the old eighties horror movies. Um, and I'd stay up cause I had this tiny little black and white TV cause I was a spoiled child. Um, and that's how I saw, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time and Friday the 13th. Um, you know, and then yeah, in 98, I started working at Sam Goody. So anytime a new horror movie would come out on VHS, I'd get my discount. So I would, you know, pick them up and I, I watched so much more. I owned so much on, on VHS and that. And a mommy. Sorry, now my daughter's popping in. Are you going to heat it cold or do you want to heat it up? If you want to heat it up, you need to have Grandpa help you really quick. Okay, just shut the door, please. She was just asking if she could eat her edamame. She, my daughter loves edamame. That's a, that's impressive. Yeah, actually, you know what? My daughter likes a lot of things a lot of kids don't like. She likes edamame, scallops, mussels, shrimp, crab. Wow. <laughs> like, she's got expensive taste, but like... <laughs> I was eating mussels one time at a restaurant and she was like, can I try some? I was like, well, you like scallops. You might like these. And she loves them. So she just, yeah, she eats tomatoes, but won't eat a cucumber, whatever. But that's my daughter now popping in just to make sure. Oh my God, I'm tired. <laughs> and and the, so sorry, she interrupted you. I apologize. Oh no. Cause no, just I graduated in 2001 also. So yes, we had very similar tracks on, you know, how we were absorbing horror at the time. So, yeah, no, that's, yeah. A lot of remakes were coming out and I liked that because it was, I think it was a gateway for some people to watch the older movies that maybe they didn't get a chance to watch. Cause not everyone had, I don't know, a mom like mine who was like, 
my mom watched horror movies with her dad at the drive-in. I watched horror movies with my mom at home because that's the VHS era. You know, my daughter watched watches horror movies with me because it's the streaming era. You know, like we every you know so far with my my family, it's like it's something we enjoy and something we like to do. And actually, the funny thing is, I just talked to this new girl working with us who was the sub for the last two days because one of the other teachers in my room has gone on vacation. And she was telling me how she was like, yeah, my three-year-old son likes to watch horror movies. And people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, let me get into this with you because I am the <laughs> last person to judge. And I'm like, my mom watched them with her dad. I watched them with my mom and my daughter watches them with me. Like, as long as you're present with them and if they have questions, just explain it to them, you know, you're fine. I'm like, if he's enjoying them, let him watch them you know, let him, but give him the choice that if he's scared, just let him know. You can cover your eyes. You can leave the room. We can turn the movie off. We can fast forward. Just give him that choice to gain some autonomy. I'm like, and you're fine. I'm like, but if he has, I'm like, my rule with my daughters, if she gets scared or has nightmares, she doesn't watch him for a little bit and we'll come back to it. So like, even I'm just like, you know, not everyone has those kind of parents. So a lot of people had to watch the remakes when they were older and able to have a say because they're legally an adult to go back and watch the movies that they missed out on, I guess. But I say let your kids watch horror movies if they're interested. That's just yeah. me. <laughs> I'm just that kind of person. So um, I will say that I did talk about all my, my little prompts that I had written my little list out this time. <laughs> Cause there is a lot yeah. of pack in this movie. Yeah. This was, this was great. I, I was really excited when you sent me the list of what you were doing uh, for this month. And uh, really glad that I got to join you on this one. Yeah. And I think in the end, and, and this is something I don't know why I just picked up on it with Violent Night, which is the one I did last time. But a lot of horror movies are also set, trying to send a positive message within all the chaos and violence and gore. If you really th- look into it, you know, like mm-hmm. Violent Night was saying, like, sometimes it just takes one person to believe in you for you to believe in yourself. And this one, I think the positive message is you have the choice to pick who your family is. You are not stuck with your biological family because I believe toxic people are toxic people, whether they're related to you or not. I don't believe you should forgive a family member just because they're your family member. I'm not the kind of person who's like that. You know, I have friends who are better aunts to my daughter than me. You know, actually, my sisters are really good. But, you know, but maybe my... Uh, one of my brother's wives who I'm not a fan of and do not talk to, um, you know, they're a better aunt to her than that woman is, you know, and she married into our family, but I don't, you know, this movie is showing that as much as these girls do fight in that sorority, they do care about each other and they do love each other. And they, once they realize girls are going missing, they do all kind of band together, go, I, we need to find out what's going on with, because we're missing a couple of girls the only one who doesn't seem to care, and I don't think it's because she doesn't care in general, it's just because she's drunk, is Lauren. Yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with that she does not care about her sisters. She's just the drunk girl. <laughs> so she just gets drunk too soon in the movie to do anything about it. But you still have Melissa, Michelle Trachtenberg's character, who is taking care of her drunk friend. Right. You know, getting her in the, making sure she takes a shower, gets her to the bathroom to throw up, gets her in the shower, puts her to bed. And then when they find out people are dying, she's like, we need to go. I'm going to go check on Lauren because she's drunk and probably can't even get out of bed right now. Someone's going to have to get her out, you know, but she's dead. But, you know, I think this, I guess if I would say this movie's positive message is saying like, you have that choice to pick a family and to choose, you know, you don't have to have your biological family. If they're not good people, if they are toxic people, you can find people who are going to be your family. If that makes any sense. Always. Yeah. So like I said, yeah. When you peel back those layers, horror movies have a lot going on. They're sending a lot of message. They're reflecting a lot on, you know, society's fears and psychology and mental health. But I think a lot of them are also trying to, I think deep down inside, a lot of them are trying to send a little bit of a, of a, of a message there too, beneath all that violence and gore and kills. There's always something positive within these movies. So even if it's like the original one, like I said, it's female empowerment. That woman saying, no, you're not going to tell me what I'm going to do with my body because I have a choice now mm-hmm. and it's not yours. It's mine. And my choice is I want to continue college and get a career going. 
I'm not bringing this child into this world. And that's her choice as a woman. And she's allowed to have that choice. And like I said, unfortunately, nowadays we don't, not every state's going to let a woman have that choice. And it makes me very, very sad and frustrated with the world these days. And this is the world I'm raising, unfortunately, having to raise my daughter into is this world, which I understand. Yeah. You have a daughter yourself. It's, it's, it sucks. But like I said, I definitely covered everything that I wanted to talk about. It's a good movie. Like I said, if you haven't seen this remake because you heard it's a bad movie, I always say, watch the movie yourself, make your own decision. And someone, you know, that's why I don't like those worst movie lists because that worst movie might be someone's favorite movie. So why Mm -hmm. are we crapping on these movies? There is a difference between constructive criticism that usually has some passion and love behind it and trashing a movie, which is usually because of hate. So there's a big difference between them. And, you know, you don't have to like a movie, but you don't have to trash that movie either. That's just my little PSA right now. Just, you know, give this movie a chance. If you heard it was a bad movie, make your own decision. Watch it. I think it's a great movie. In fact, you're always going to hear me say that every movie I talk about is great. Because if you find, you can always find something you like in every single horror movie. If you really just sit there and pay attention. Yep. Or give it a chance. Just go in open minded. Yeah, exactly. Give the movie a chance. Like, and you might find something you like. You might be like, oh, wow, this movie is talking about a lot. Oh, this is kind of fun. Oh, I like that kill. Did you see that kill? That was amazing. So, like I said, you can always find something. I will never say that there's a bad horror movie. I will say that a movie I believe is overrated and that I did not enjoy it as much as some of the other movies. But I will never say it's a bad horror movie because one of my examples always is The Shining. Stanley Kubrick's oh my god how dare I say that I was not a fan of that movie I'm just I think it was beautifully shot I think they picked the perfect people for the cast it was great I mean Jack Nicholson is absolutely amazing in that movie like he is scary as hell I just didn't think it's needs to be up on that pedestal that a lot of people put it on but it's not a bad movie at all it's it's still a good movie in my opinion that's my, that's how I am with horror movies. I may not enjoy them as much, but they're not bad because it's someone else's favorite movie. Mm-hmm. You know, just like there's probably a lot of people who, who unfortunately don't know the wonders of Reanimator and don't like that movie. <laughs> but it is my yeah. favorite movie. I love that movie. I think it's the best horror movie ever made. That's me. And some people might not like it. And that's okay. I just say, yeah, give it a chance. Pick out these things. Sorry, get. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna wrap it up for today. <laughs> Thank you again for joining me here on Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. Again, I'm your host Sarah Sim. Thank you for sticking around as I discuss horror history, psychology, and mental health within horror movies. Again, Chris, thank you for being on the show again. It's a lot of yeah, fun talking you. horror with you. Thank you for having me. It's always a joy. Hope you enjoyed the show. Again, thank you for listening. And I just want to remind everybody that there's a horror movie out there for everyone to enjoy. So thank you.